Hi, and welcome back to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. I just really wanted to talk about the Canelo Golden Boy and DAZN Triangle because it's a lot more than just a lawsuit. It's a lot more than just an unhappy boxer and an unhappy network and a promoter who's scared that this might be their last shot at staying relevant in the sport of boxing. It's, it's a massive cry for some kind of sanity in boxing because this lawsuit exemplifies everything that is wrong with boxing. And in 2020, DAZN have finally realized why they cannot use boxing as a means of driving subscribers. It just doesn't work. And, and I'll just set it off from the beginning. The ultimate conclusion of this process will be that DAZN say, fine, boxing is a pay-per-view sport. And now we understand exactly why Steven Espinoza makes this pay-per-view, why ESPN make it pay-per-view, because that's how you can justify whether something is marketable or not. Let the fans decide what they're willing to pay for. So at the heart of all of this, you've got Canelo, Team Canelo, whatever you want to call them, and they're suing DAZN, their holding company, the Perform Group, as well as Golden Boy Promotions in all of their various legal entities, private in, privately incorporated companies, limited liability companies, whatever means they're using. Their lawyers have found who they think the relevant parties are, and they're all being sued. And I think at the core of it is both intentional and negligent interference in a contract, which is... It's a, not necessarily a uniquely American thing, but the way they word it is almost uniquely American. So in this case, I don't want to go into the legalese of, of really what you have to demonstrate for intentional interference. It's really just about, you know, a contract has to exist. The defendant has to know the contract existed. They have to have acted improperly and it has to have impacted the plaintiff. But essentially what you're saying with intentional interference is it's on the plaintiff to prove that this is the case. So Canelo's team have to prove there was interference in the contractual relationship between Canelo and DeZone, no matter how indirect it was, because essentially Canelo had a contract with Golden Boy and Golden Boy then had a contract with DeZone. But, it's, but if we're being realistic, Canelo's performing the duties for DeZone. So the argument basically boils down to Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy, whoever it was within that organization, did something they shouldn't have done, which impacted the contractual relationship between Canelo and DAZN. And that's what they're seeking to establish. Now, you'll ask me, why, why go around the houses? And the answer is pretty simple. When you sign a contract, you're bound by it. Right? Everyone can agree with that. And so when Canelo signs a contract with Golden Boy, he's bound by that contract. Now, Golden Boy have a contract with the zone that they're bound by. And so where Canelo can say there's been something done improperly here and it might be a false representation, whatever it is, that he's not aware of and therefore had he been aware of it, he might not have entered into that contract. And so the zone then look at it and they say, okay, Oscar De La Hoya has done something he shouldn't have done in signing this contract. Had we known the real state of play, we might not have signed this contract. And so what it does is it separates the key parties away from Golden Boy. 
And that frees them up to say, we can carry this contract on without Oscar. And that's one of the places I think this lawsuit wants to get to. It's not really about Canelo versus DAZN. It's not really about DAZN versus Canelo. They kind of need each other. It's that neither party now needs Oscar de la Hoya. But I think I speak for most boxing fans when we were open-mouthed at the announcement of a $365 million contract between you know, DAZN and Golden Boy and, by implication, Canelo. Why is this important? Because that was, that was the biggest contract we'd seen in boxing. It was, it was absolutely insane to lock in a fighter for the next five years without any guarantees. No opponents were guaranteed. Nothing was really guaranteed from what we read at the time. It was simply, you've got this many fights to make over this period of time, and we're going to pay you this much over the life of the contract. With... Golden Boy receiving a 40 million guarantee, 35 million of which would go to Canelo. So that was the contract we understood. And over time, what's come to pass is that Canelo's not happy with the contract and there are various things, various issues he's had, not only with the contract with the zone, but he's also had issues with how Golden Boy have handled some of the people he has an affiliation with, like Ryan Garcia, for example. But now you've got to ask yourself, does Canelo have a right to be upset? And I always say, go back to what Canelo said in the aftermath of the second Golovkin fight, where he said, now I have nothing to prove. We had the rematch because people disputed the first fight. You cannot dispute the second fight. Therefore, there's nothing for me to prove. And Canelo never talked about, yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it a third time, because I don't think Canelo likes Golovkin. I think Golovkin said things that were disrespectful to Canelo and Canelo seems to be a man of pride and honor and so you can see why Canelo's not overly enthused by a third fight even though you can imagine he believes he'll win it so Canelo's always been against the Golovkin fight publicly everything you read he's never talked about it will happen you may hear him say offer me silly money and I might fight Golovkin but he offers no guarantees that that fight can happen and then you start to read in the media that De La Hoya had guaranteed a Golovkin fight to DAZN, which induced DAZN to agree the contract because they understood a fight that generates $1.3 million in pay-per-view buys might just be what they need to kickstart their, their push for subscribers. And now there comes a question of, did Canelo know about this, yes or no? It seems Canelo wasn't aware that this was done and it definitely wasn't done with his consent because he had never made any kind of representation publicly that we can identify where he said, I'd happily fight Golovkin, I think there's unfinished business. So at first glance, it appears there's a situation where De La Hoya has inserted himself in the middle and he's assured one party that he can guarantee a fight and he's assured the other party being Canelo, he can guarantee the money. But he's the guy in the middle and he's trying to keep both sides in the dark. Up to now, I don't think Canelo's seen a copy of the DAZN and Golden Boy contract, which you'd find very strange seeing as he's the driving force behind that. Even though I know he's not a signatory to that contract, which we'll come on to later, he still has the right to see that contract just to understand what his duties may entail. Now, from Canelo's perspective, 
and I'm sympathetic to this argument. Canelo's view is, I've signed a contract that offers a guarantee per fight. I'm the number one name in the sport right now, which is why you gave me the money and not somebody else. So like every other number one there's ever been, I choose my opponents. That's the area of contention, I think. Canelo's used to choosing his opponents. He chooses who he fights and he chooses when he fights. And with him being a keen student of Mayweather, he understands that is the status of the number one guy in the sport. He gets to do that. Joshua doesn't get to do that. Dillian doesn't get to do that. Charlo doesn't get to do that. Canelo gets to do that. And Canelo's job is to say, I want to maximize my commercial opportunity per fight. I've got a 10-fight contract and I need to manage that so I can remain lucrative all the way through to the end of that contract. We can all be sympathetic to that. That's how we all work. We all try and maximize the money we can make. So Canelo's saying, look, I'll sign this contract, but Oscar, you know Canelo has the final say on opponents, not Golden Boy and not DAZN. And so all of a sudden, 2020 happens and the world changes completely. So all of a sudden, fans aren't allowed in arenas. So Canelo's pay-per-view has gone because he's with his own. That gate money's gone because no one's in attendance. So he's already taking a financial hit. It might be 10 million, it might be 12 million. Canelo takes a financial hit if he fights in September. So he's already said, well, I'm taking a financial hit that the zone don't take. The zone don't really care if there's fans in the arena or not. That's the promoter's problem. They're a broadcast platform. So Canelo's like, I've taken the hit. Now you want me to take another hit by halving my purse. That's not fair. And that's not in the contract. There's no provision in the contract to halve the purse in the event of a pandemic. So Canelo quite rightly saying, we need to stick to the words of this contract. Canelo chooses his opponent, does own broadcasts it, does own pay me the money. It's that simple. If, if you don't want that, the contract's over. Now, as we said before, once you sign a contract, it's pretty hard to get out of a contract. But if you can attack one of the signatories of that contract and say, maybe they acted a bit shady, then you can start to say, well, the contract's not valid. And if the contract's not valid, I'm also discharged from my obligations. The zone of discharge from their obligations. We're all free. Now what happens? We can now renegotiate. We can have a different kind of discussion. But that puts Oscar out of the picture. But now put yourself in DeZone's position. DeZone have been told, yeah, 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 the Canelo-Golovkin fight will happen on Mexican Independence Day. Don't worry about it. I'll talk to Canelo. We'll get it fixed. They take that on trust. They'll say, well, Oscar and Canelo are pretty close. Okay, that's going to happen. And they plan their projections, their subscriber forecasts and so forth based on being able to get that fight and the number of eyes it will draw to you, to screens, mobile devices, whatever. So they give Canelo a couple of fights to, you know, warm it up. And then the question becomes, okay, so when's this Triple G fight happening? And there are discussions in the media, there are discussions in public. And Canelo's like, no, 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 I have no intention of fighting Golovkin. And DeZone suddenly gets scared and go, no, no, but this is the whole point of it. We, we, need, we need that fight. And then maybe a Billy Joe, then maybe a... Look, we, 
we've, we've hoovered up all of this talent for you to fight over the next five years. Why have we paid these guys over the odds? Why do we pay, you know, Ken Golovkin and Devryanchenko a combined 20 million if we're not going to get this fight? Now Dazona's starting to go, oh, this is terrible. Ooh, ooh. So they checked the contract and there's no guarantee for a Golovkin fight. There's nothing written that says the fight has to happen. There seems to be something in the contract that talks about premier opponents. But the problem is you've already allowed certain fights to happen. You've allowed Danny Jacobs to happen. You've allowed Kovalev to happen. And what that means is you've established a standard of what a premier opponent is. So when Canelo comes and says, do you know what? I've got a WBC mandatory against Avni Yildrim at middleweight. And does own say, well, he's not a premier opponent. You then go back and you say, I beat Jacobs and I beat Kovalev. And I won Boxer of the Year in 2019. That feels pretty premier to me. And so Canelo's premier is based on a boxing assessment. Whereas it seems DeZone's assessment of premier opponent is who's marketable, what drives views. And look, quite rightly, from both perspectives, Canelo cares about legacy, DeZone care about subscribers. So now they can't agree. The only thing they could probably agree on is Golovkin would tick the box on both sides, right? Even though he's, what, 38, approaching 39? But he'd tick, he'd tick the box, on, he'd tick both boxes, but he's the only one. So what happens after that? It doesn't even address the long-term question. It's like, okay, what happens after Golovkin? And Canelo understands this. They're, okay, yeah, fight Golovkin now, I beat him. Now what? You're going to have the same complaint again. So it'll be very hard for DeZone to establish that Jacobs and Kovalev were not premier. And if that's the case, then Avni Yildrim's not that far behind. Definitely not justifying half the purse. And then if you park Yildrim to the side, Billy Joe Saunders has to be premier by any benchmark. That includes Danny Jacobs and Sergey Kovalev. Callum Smith, less, less proven, less, you know, there's less certainty around that. But Sergey Devrinchenko, why not? If you look at who he's fought and who he's going to fight, that's a pretty premier opponent. But I think the zone have shot themselves in the foot by not defining what a premier opponent is. And so that's where the lawyers make their money in trying to discern what that is. And that's probably going to be the, the heart of this dispute. But if I'm disowned, what I really need is I need Canelo Golovkin to happen. Now, if that means I've got to kick Canelo some extra money, so be it. Because I've got him on the roster. I've got Golovkin on the roster because I've promised one guy he gets to fight the other guy. The other guy had no idea about this. But neither man is averse to the fight happening if the numbers are correct. But disowned like, well, we're already giving you 35 million. How much more do you want? And... You know, Golovkin's here like, guys, you brought me here to fight this guy. It doesn't seem that he wants that fight. So what am I doing here? I could have gone to Al and made more money. I could have gone to Bob and made more money. So if this all goes wrong, which it could do, and Canelo ends up you know, leaving, going to join Bob, going to join Al, I don't see Golovkin staying because Golovkin may have it written into his contract that he fights Canelo. If not, then it's very expensive to have Golovkin. You may as well just write that contract off as well. And if you're going to do that, then all the dominoes start to fall for the zone. And they understand that. 
You lose Canelo, you lose Golovkin. You lose those two, you lose everyone else behind that. Because all of a sudden, you've got pretty average fights. You have no marquee names and you've got no marquee fights. And I think if I'm sat in the zone's offices right now, that's exactly why I'm getting stressed. That is exactly why I'm pulling my hair out because boxing is a frustrating sport. In every other sport, you know what you're getting up front. You know in three years' time, the Bulls will play at some point. You know in three years' time, the Green Bay Packers will play at some point. Look, you know in three years' time, Manchester United will play, Liverpool will play, pretty certain. Boxing, you don't know what you're going to get three years down the line. And so a lot of expensive mistakes are made, and DeZone have made a lot of expensive mistakes. And maybe this is the time where they need to start cleaning up some of those mistakes and getting their house in order. Because you are, you're looking at hemorrhaging tens of millions of dollars a year. Subscribers aren't up. Like right now, DAZN just want people to reactivate their subscriptions because most people are frozen and said, well, there's nothing on here that I want to watch. I'll reactivate my subscription when you give me something I can watch. And DAZN haven't really got the names where they can say, look, these are the fights we're going to put on because most of the people they have are contingent on having crowds. So if you're really going to kick the blame at someone and say, we need to hold someone accountable for this debacle, it's got to be Oscar De La Hoya because he's kind of traded off good faith on both sides to, to put himself in the middle as this guy that can make anything happen. And at the same time, he neglected to invest in the most important relationship in his stable, which was Canelo. And I think if you take it up a level, this is about so many different things, right? This is about Oscar De La Hoya, a man who's rapidly losing relevance in sport. I think the public discussions around his drug use, his lack of focus. Compare him and compare Eddie Hearn, right? I think De La Hoya has a far stronger stable than Eddie Hearn. But the way Eddie Hearn sweats every drop of value out of his stable compared to De La Hoya, light years. Absolute light years. And yes, we give Eddie Hearn a hard time, but this is one time you've got to tip your hat off to Eddie and say, he works his resources harder than anyone else. You know, he puts that effort in and so he gets his reward. De La Hoya sat on Canelo and without Canelo, I don't think he'd be involved in boxing because he doesn't work hard enough. And I think Canelo's realized this because now Canelo gets to see who's really putting the work in because he gets to see how Hearn treats Golovkin and how Hearn treats his fighters. And he's like, Oscar doesn't do that for me. So maybe I don't need Oscar. Also, when you come into your prime years, like Floyd did, now you want to take control of your own situation. You want the money to come to you. You don't want to get paid by a promoter. So maybe this is a push for independence as well. And I don't think DeZone are averse to that. Because I think if Canelo went solo, everyone on Golden Boy would go with Canelo. Now, whoever runs that, I have no idea. I don't know who you get to run that. But I can see DeZone wanting to do that sort of deal. Might, might revise the numbers downwards slightly, or you may weight it more in favor of, you know, a bit risk-based reward. But I also see a return to pay-per-view. I don't, I think Canelo sometimes watches guys like Fury, guys like Joshua making so much money off the pay-per-view and realizes he's hamstrung on some of his fights. And if you said to Canelo, would you rather roll the dice? And in some cases you might get 2 million pay-per-view buyers and some you might get 600,000. I think economically it's better for him. 
so I think this is this is another element where there's a push for independence. The zone would love that. It would make their life a lot easier. It gets rid of De La Hoya and it kind of brings more of a focus to their stable. But I think there's a deeper thing here that DAZN will hopefully learn from this experience. Boxing's a sport where you may as well just buy the rights. Like, just like they did with Joshua, where they paid $4 million for Joshua Ruiz too, and it did the bump that it did, but they didn't have to shoulder the responsibility of paying those purses. Why DAZN would do that, I don't understand. I, I suspect they've just got massive buyer's remorse when they look at their roster. And they'd happily write off all of those contracts now and start again if they could. But a contract's a contract. I also think DAZN have learned that it's better to have the contract with the fighter. Not with the promoter. Better to have a contract with the fighter. Walk them through the fights you expect to happen and get their buy-in. Even if you've got to put those into the contract to say, you'll get this for, for, for the fights you choose, but for the fights we want you to have, X, Y, Z... This is how much you'll earn. And if you can give them a step, step change in income on those fights, you incentivize that. I have a feeling that's one of the agreements Joshua will have with Sky, where there'll be three signatories, Team Joshua, Team Sky, and Team Matchroom. Failing that, there's probably just a direct contract with Joshua and Sky, and one with Sky and Matchroom. But at least they have visibility of what the fighter will be doing and what the process is. And does don't have to learn these things because... Boxing has a fantastic way of stripping you from your money in faster than it takes to go, what the hell just happened here? And they're finding this out. And I think in the process of this lawsuit, if it does get to that point, we'll find out a lot of the seedier aspects of this because they're going to have to, in discovery, they're going to have to reveal the emails and the phone calls and everything that led up to that contract being agreed. The lawyers will definitely have copies of that. And then we'll find out how Golden Boy really works. And I think that's going to be problematic. Because once you see that and you see how Oscar behaves, I don't think Canelo and Oscar can ever be friendly after that. And I think that's what's going to really nail this, is that the zone are going to have to review how they get involved in boxing. How can they cut costs? Number one, stop paying people ridiculous purses. And accept that uh, maybe you're going to have some average fights for a couple of years while you rebuild. Also... I think the zone have to start thinking about acquiring their own stars before they become stars and building them up. There's no other way of doing it. And that way you have a degree of control because that's what they need to drive subscribers. Natural rivalries and fights that they can make that garner interest. But maybe they've been burnt too much. Maybe this is the time for them to get out of boxing. I have no idea. But I have a feeling that in and amongst all of this, you will definitely see the separation of Canelo and Oscar de la Hoya. And once Oscar leaves, I don't see where Oscar goes after this because there are no other big platforms that really need him. And I think he'll just be a guy that talks boxing and you know, basically does Oscar without the income coming in from promoting. But I thought, I thought it was just really, it's a fascinating thing because in boxing, we haven't really been able to live through a high-profile case like this via social media and the internet. You know, I know there was Ward against the Goosens, but I think that slightly predates where we are in terms of technology. But I thought this was just a really interesting case, and sometimes it's nice to just tease out all these small details that, that, that do matter. Because in this lawsuit, everyone's fighting for something different. Canelo's fighting for control of his future. 
Oscar's fighting to stay relevant, and Dazona fighting to stay in this game, which they're finding increasingly expensive. So, hope you enjoyed that. Um, you know, I might drop something else, a bit more directly boxing related. But I was always appreciate the support. I appreciate the the likes, the sharing, the love. And look, long may we continue. I haven't forgotten about the guests. I think we're now getting to a point where people are are comfortable and stable in their schedules now, so we can start to have proper conversations. And a lot's happened now, so we can go back and revisit you know a lot of interesting things. So bear with me on that one. That's definitely happening. So guys, take care. Have a fantastic week. If it stays sunny, make sure you make the most of that sun because we know it's the one thing that keeps this COVID thing calm and quiet. So stay safe. Don't take unnecessary risks. And more importantly, stay healthy. Bye.